We're your hosts, Lizzie Kondravi and Brooke Volkert, and welcome to the All-American Dream Podcast. Our next guest exudes positivity. He has more energy than the Energizer Bunny. I had a pleasure of meeting Bill um, a few years ago, and we are honored to have him here today to speak with us about public speaking. So welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks, Lizzie and and Brooke. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you today. Bill, we're so happy to have you here today. Well, actually, via phone call again. We're not. We're being responsible citizens. So let's get right to it. I, first off, would love to give our listeners a little sneak peek into who you are and how your career started. So could you just share some of that? Yeah. I mean, I have kind of an interesting background. I have never held a real job, I would say. I've only worked for myself. I started my first business out of my college dorm room in 2003. Um, I was in charge of placing a t-shirt order for my floor for intramural basketball and the order went horrible. So uh, my roommate Ryan said, hey, Bill, we should start a business. And little did I know as a college, you know, fresh sophomore, I'm sorry, uh, 19 year old, that that would turn into a legit business. Years later, I had sold about a half a million shirts. I did a TEDx talk on t-shirts and everything. So that little idea that sparked from a bad t-shirt order turned into a business, millions of dollars in t-shirts later. Um, Yeah, I I mean, a little t-shirt company, we all wear t-shirts, but the thing I learned in that company was just everything we did was online. It was all about customers. And I became wildly passionate about, I would say, customer experience and how do we create an experience online that can, in some ways, mimic face-to-face. And it was crazy. Our first Google order ever was actually for, for Google. They found us on Google. And they Googled, found us, and ordered 70 shirts for their tablet search division, That's which cool. was just unbelievable. So cool. And, uh, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, these companies became customer of ours, and everybody just found us right on Google. But then I would say I made a very natural career transition from the land of T-shirts to land title and uh, created a software that helped. <laughs> yeah, very different, you know. There's a saying in title, it's like title, you don't find title, title finds you. <laughs> yeah, and that's my story exactly because I had this crazy idea in 2011 to basically help real estate agents communicate to consumers when a buyer or seller wants you know, a home purchase. So we created like a pizza tracker style timeline and the number one Remax franchise in the world right here in Minnesota um, Remax Results was our first customer, but a year into it, fast forward. So we launched that in 2013, 2014. Uh, the owner pulls us aside and goes, guys, none of my realtors are using this timeline tool. And Paul, my co-founder and I looked at each other. We knew, you know, nobody was using it because we could see that. But uh, he goes, guys, none of my realtors are using it. He goes, you know what? They'll forget them. If I don't, if I, if I give them the greatest tool in the world, they don't use it, forget them. I own a title company and the number one complaint from my realtors against title is bad communication. Can we take this timeline tool and maybe cut it down from 10 steps to four or five and put in title? And Paul and I looked at each other. We looked back at the owner and we said, I bet we can, but what's title? And that was how we got in. <laughs> That's awesome. 
That's like me when Lizzie found me at a hair salon. I was like, I would love to, but what's title? Exactly. But what's title? That should be the that should be the the name of the podcast. But what's title? <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I had the pleasure of meeting Bill right in the beginning stages of Close Simple. And um, if you haven't heard Bill speak, you're really missing out. He's outstanding and awesome. And, you know, I know most people do not like public speaking. You know, for example, when I used to have to either speak in for like do a presentation in front of customers or even like coworkers, I would be like really nervous and um, fearful and anxious. And and now I'm better as I've worked on that craft. But like, um, were you ever afraid to get into public speaking or was it just like another passion of yours or? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll say this. I absolutely, I went into public speaking class in high school thinking this is going to be the easiest thing. And I vividly remember the first day of, you know, it's your time to present. I was scared stupid. I mean, I think there's this sense that comes over your whole body when you realize I have to talk right now and people are going to, it's different than when you raise your hand in class, you know, and just say something there's something about the act of getting introduced, walking up and saying something, yes, you know, and standing it, it was, in front of them. Yes. There's something about it. So I would say, um, I have always thought speaking was easy. And then when I do it, I'm shocked at how hard it is actually. But I'll say this, when I started actually speaking, the baby steps of, I would, I would get asked often. Cause like I said before, I've never had a real job you know, for somebody else, it's always been my own thing. I had colleges and high schools reaching out to me going, would you speak to our classes? And honestly, never was I once scared to speak there. Never had that kind of like heart of breathing kind of thing. Um, and that really got me kind of figuring out like, okay, let's do this. And as I got bigger audiences, though, there is a little different sense that you get. And the thing I've just learned over the years, because I did a TEDx talk in 2015, 1,800 people. Oh and God. I mean, freaked out of my mind. You know, I say it's a holy reverence for speaking because I've, I've even heard big speakers say, like, if you don't get a little nervous before you speak, that means that you're not really bringing your A game. Yeah. You know, the yeah. day that you're not nervous, you're not really ready, if that makes sense. You're not, you're not playing to win anymore. Um, so I say it's a holy reverence, but I, I remember getting out there because if you ever watch a TEDx talk or a TED talk, there's that red circle. And what you don't see, though, is backstage, you're waiting there, mic'd up, and there's an announcer or two out there making jokes and whatever. But all of the speakers are pointed out. So you have no idea what they're saying. You have no idea what they're introducing you as. And I just remember the one thing they said was they're going to introduce you. People are going to clap, laugh, whatever. Once they stop clapping, you go. And while they're clapping, you go on that red dot and wait. And I just remember they clapped. I walked out to that red circle and I'm, I'm just going, please do not faint. Like just be able to breathe because it was so, I mean, you can't see anybody in the audience that big. It's all black. You know, it's just dark because the lights are on you. But the thing, and I had a speech coach actually help me with this. And the biggest thing that I realized in speaking to help me get over that fear was just realizing that when I get up there, you got to believe that you have something worth listening to. You just got to believe that the audience is going to be better for listening to you. 
when you go up there and you know your first line and your first transition to the, to the first point and you know that you're going to add value, the fear goes away. It's crazy. I think that's like in general, not even with public speaking, but I think also too, like being in sales, whether you're in title sales or you're in real estate sales, it's no longer nervous trying to prospect clients when you know that you are adding value that's going to help help them. And you believe in your product. Yeah, Yeah. you believe in yourself, you believe in your product, you believe in the the word that you are going to speak. Exactly. And one thing I learned too right away was Rookie speakers, what they'll do is they'll make small talk about thank you for having me or this or that or kind of, you know, talk about the owner of the company or whatever organization. They'll make this little small talk and kind of get chuckled. But the truly great speakers go into their topic hard right away and they grip the audience. And that was the hardest transition for me. Like not trying to get the laugh and get people's approval fast right away it doesn't mean you're not friendly or you're not going to be cordial but a lot of speakers as they're getting into it they make too much fun with the audience and they don't actually get to their topic fast enough and you lose people you lose engagement yeah so this kind of answers the question i was just about to ask you bill is what's more important when public speaking like are is it delivering the message so the, the way that you make the audience remember you or is it actually simply the content itself i'll say this i think it's the stories you tell um because i could listen to a speaker you know think of the past few speakers that you've all listened to you know think of conferences or podcasts it's really hard for me to remember the points that they give like everybody has three points or four points whatever it is um but i do remember the stories that they told you know, I'll remember the story and then the point attaches itself to that. So I'll try to think of a story before I think of the points almost. Like something that moved me emotionally and then what's the takeaway from that? So I always try to think of, I mean, I think it is the content. The content being a story. If you don't have a story, you have nothing. Yeah, because like I'm you know? sure a lot of people recognize you, at least like I do. So, And I'm assuming you've spoken this um in the title industry, but, um, is like the Tom Ford shoes. I'm sure. Yes. Every, yeah, everyone actually. remembers that story. And I'm sure you could ask that all the time. Like, Oh, are those the shoes? Well, I'll tell you a funny one, you know, your audience doesn't know it. So maybe I can give a quick recap of it. Yeah. But, um, I get asked about those Tom Ford boots around the country at title conference after title conference, after title conference. <laughs> and, I'll say it like this. If I would have strayed away and played it more safe and not talked about a crazy expensive pair of boots in my keynote talk, I would just be normal. You know, I'd be another speaker. But by taking people out of ordinary and going like, here's a story and making it something that they laugh at and go emotionally connecting with, like all of a sudden now they're invested in me. And they're like, tell me the boots. Did you get them? And all of a sudden now the point about customer experience and like what I'm trying to get at becomes a lot easier for them to grab because they're like, that dude was cool. Like, I like, I like that story, 100%. but the, the whole story idea, the, the town Ford boot story, though, the snapshot, you know, brief 10 second overview, if it takes 10, but I walked into a town Ford boutique in New York city, crazy high end fashion brand. And I saw this pair of boots and I'd never seen a pair of boots that, looked as amazing as everything about them was just unbelievable just a black pair of chelsea's 
no no uh, laces, just super clean. And the sales associate said, do you want to try them on? I tried them on. And when I stood up, my entire life was changed. You know, like I stood up and I'm like, these boots will make my life better. Yes. And I'm walking around and I'm in the store doing the whole thing, looking in the mirror, turning. Even as I'm saying this podcast with you, like I'm walking right now and I'm like doing the motion. <laughs> like, I can see you doing it. Like I can see myself doing it because we all have had that, that type of feeling yeah. before. So I'm, I'm doing, you know, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and everything about these boots was amazing. Like the way it pulled my arches off and it just felt like they were made for me. I've never had that before. And that sales associate, she was sharp. She goes, sir, would you like to um, wear them out or should I box them up for you? And I thought that was really funny though, because I was wearing a pair of jean shorts in Manhattan. There's no way. There's no way. I mean. She had a good line there, but there's no way I'm wearing a pair of Tom Ford black Chelsea boots out, you know, with my jean shorts. So option A, no, maybe option B. But then I looked at the price tag and it was five, ten times more expensive than I'd ever imagined a pair of boots costing. So I told her, like, ah, I came up with some weak answer. I, I, I said, you know, uh, I got to think about it. And, you know, the story kind of ends with months later what am i still doing thinking about those tom ford chelsea boots right because they ruined me no boots ever <laughs> a boot that was a tenth of the cost you know whatever is junk compared to these boots and it got so bad that one day i realized like someday if i have a son or daughter and they sit on my lap and they look up at me with their big eyes and they're like dad is there any regret that you had in life you know i did not want to have it be like yeah son you know it was this pair of boots in Manhattan I didn't buy, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to buy these boots. I hop okay. online. They're, they're sold out. But I call the store and I get this guy and strong British accent. I go, I was in there a few months ago. I made my case. And I said, do you have a pair of these in size 12? And he puts me on hold, comes back and he says, sir, I'm sorry to tell you they're completely sold out. Now, normal salespeople, I think would have different way of approaching this at least in minnesota here there's more of the minnesota nice but this guy doesn't play by those rules he goes sir why didn't you buy those boots today you were in here if you liked them so much and i didn't know what to say so i came up with some weak answer and then he comes back with a line that changed the way i look at life business everything he, he goes sir let me tell you something apparently he didn't like my answer of you know i wasn't sure he says, sir, let me tell you something. Tom Ford's time is not your time, and your time is not Tom Ford's time. When the time is right for Tom Ford, the time is probably not right for you. And when the time is right for you, the time is probably not right for Tom Ford. I suggest the next time you try on a pair of Tom Fords and you like them, that you buy them immediately. Savage. I hung up. Savage. I hung up. I didn't know what to say. You know, okay. Yeah, but, no, think, but no think about that story like it takes you like each of us have had that experience where we try something on or whatever and you love it and then you're like oh no the price tag but then what do you do you compare that item to everything else you're like everything else and i think in business that's really what we're trying to create you know like you with all american title you're trying to create a closing experience that's remarkable you're trying to make something that a realtor does would never want to refer business anywhere else because all American does it a certain way. And 
you know, it, that story hits people on so many levels. But what's cool about it is it's that cliffhanger of I didn't get those boots that day. And the call, I didn't get the boots. And now everybody is asking me about those boots around the country. But you wouldn't believe how much business that boot story has brought in. Because now I'm relatable. People are laughing. Right. You know, I could say, I could say you got to make a remarkable closing experience until I'm blue in the face. Or I talk about the pair of boots that ruin you. And are you doing that for your customers? Tom. You know, and all of a sudden now that content becomes alive. So I think, again, rookie speakers flatter the host when they get up there and they make small talk. Pro speakers get up, know that they have something worth saying and say it. And then rookie speakers also have point, point, point. Pro speakers have a story with a point that's bigger that makes you think, how does this relate to me? So, so that's the big challenge, Brooke. So I think it's content with the emotion. So on that note, like, is there, you know, uh, the rookie versus like the pro, is there a point that you come alive on stage and like give the most energy and en energy? Is it like right when you walk on or is it at the climax of the story? Yeah. Yeah. Like when it, when do you feel like you're bill, I guess. Right. When you walk on, you're just trying to get your bearings. You're just trying to get your feet down, kind of see what the audience is doing. You know, are they laughing because they said something funny about you? Are they clapping? You're just trying to get up there and look confident. You just don't want to mess that walk up and trip over or something. You know, so basically when you get up there, being confident, knowing that you're going to say something that matters, I find I hit my first stride. And this is something that I've done lately. I love addressing the audience who's in the room today. So I love actually telling the audience, like, something that relates right with them. So I have this line, whenever I speak in title now, I love being able to tell the audience right away, you know, over the next 40, 50 minutes, we're going to roll our sleeves up. I hope you have note pages full of notes. I hope you have the one or two things that you can take back to your business and really apply. And I say this, that way they know where we're going to go. And then I say, you know, I love this industry and I tell them about themselves and their story. And I find that builds some credibility. By that, I mean, I'll tell this. Instead of humoring the host or whatever, I'll tell my example of why I love title so much or any industry. And I find any industry is almost like this. If I'm speaking to a trade organization or anybody, I'll give my title example and anybody who's listening can apply it to their industry. But I love saying, you know, I found that title, we're all like one of two things. In fact, we might be both. Title is a lot like either the Olive Garden or the Mafia. And everybody chuckles because they're like, what in the world does this guy mean? And I go, it's like the Olive Garden because here we are in this room and you all work for different companies and this and that. But when we come here, we're family. Just like the Olive Garden. When you hear your family, share the breadsticks, share the salad. But you know what's funny about family? When you get out of here, you're neck in neck. You're trying to cut the other person off. But when you hear your family just like the Olive Garden. And I say, we're also like the mafia though, because once you get in, you never get out. And I always, they always get chuckled. And I say, no, seriously, like how many of you did title find you? You don't find title. And I say, congratulations though, you're never leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden though, all of a sudden though, that builds this credibility. And once you get that credibility factor of this speaker understands me, it's smooth sailing. So, so, so you Sorry. Does that make sense? It's not about the funny joke. It's about a joke or a connection point where the audience goes, this guy or girl gets me. 
So did you develop that or learn that from like a coach? That I would say I've just always been innately like, I've always just wanted to, this sounds kind of like easy, just want to be liked. I think people all want to just be liked. Mm -hmm. But what I found is I'll listen to speakers that try to win somebody over and I don't like that. You know, I want to, I just want people to go like, I'm comfortable here and this person understands me. So that's what I used to just. Oh, yeah, go on. Sorry, it's we can't see each other's face women, so we don't know who's like if you're done speaking or not done speaking. <laughs> but is that what you want the audience to be saying about you afterwards? Yeah, I think you want the audience going, that guy understands me, and or that guy, that girl understands me, and uh, I can do what he said I can do. Is there someone that you know you admire? in public speaking or watching or even I guess I don't know if this is a good tie-in or not but like a comedian because it's kind of the same yeah you know yeah. in a way is there someone you admire or now like if you do watch like Jerry Steinfeld's stand-up do you pick up on things or think of oh that's a good idea next time I speak or it's funny you bring up Steinfeld because that's the first person that comes to mind actually with it I, I remember hearing a sign uh Seinfeld he had some quote once about how he would spend 30 minutes or so just to get one word out of a punchline, just to figure out how to say it better. You know, he'll spend hours just crafting the perfect way of saying a little sentence because it's all about that. Seinfeld's a master at it, but yes, I'll say yes. it like this. If I have to think about who I admire most speaking, it's people who know where they're going and who help the audience go there with them and I'll, I think one of my favorite examples, and I, I think I've become a better speaker as I've listened to more radio, which is kind of crazy because radio, you do not have the crazy, um, you know, you don't see the person moving TV speakers everywhere else. You see the face, you see everything radio. If they don't do a good job, you're not getting there. NPR show is actually on like Saturday. This American Life or um, Radio Lab, I really appreciate those, and I feel like I've become a better speaker as I've listened to those because they're not only giving facts, but they're providing a narrative with it that the audience has to follow. They have to have this string that goes through the full hour, if that makes sense. Do you listen to Howard Stern? You know, I have not listened to a lot of Howard Stern. Um, He's more interview style. I'm yeah. more monologue style. So, like, I think the next stage that I really want to get at is more of, like, Howard Stern, Larry King. Um, because you, you think about the people who are the best interviewers ever. Again, they don't pull content out. They pull emotions out. Yes. You know, like, I could you could sit there and ask me bullet-pointed things, and I can give you that. Or you can say, how did that make you feel? Or... And all of a sudden, it takes the whole interview to a different level. And that's what Howard Stern and Larry King have done so good. Yeah, the king of all media. So do you have a pet peeve, though, that like when you listen to stuff that you kind of like nitpick, you're like, oh, I know they shouldn't be doing this or. Uh, yeah, there's there's one that I've really realized with the coronavirus, especially a lot of a lot of people now are doing Zoom calls. They're doing. Um, they're launching their own podcast. They're doing so many things. And 
I don't like the braggadocio feeling of like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, it's never the greatest thing ever. Don't make me feel like, don't, don't humor me or talk down to me by telling me how great your thing is. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like now that so many people have a platform to talk through, they're trying to convince the world that this thing is so great. Or they bring on somebody that it's just a normal person, but they say, you're my biggest inspiration. And I think people see through that right away. Yeah, see through you know what the I, BS of it. Yeah, kind of just the BS. It's, I think people want real. I think that's the big thing. Like, my BS meter, I think. That's, that's something I wish, you know, I could turn down sometimes because I'm sure I give it off too. But when I listen to a speaker and they're overly braggadocio about how great this thing is that they're talking about or how great the show is they've produced or anything that way, all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know if I buy the hype. Like, I'll be the judge of it. We'll see how many stars you get, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please rate this podcast. Yeah, Bill. <laughs> You're going to be our biggest critic. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I, the thing is, it goes, it goes back to like what we're, what we're talking about, like with all American creating a closing process. That's remarkable. It's like the customer will notice. You don't have to tell somebody this is great. You don't have to say that they know it is like because Starbucks. they've touched things that are. Yeah. Like <laughs> exactly. Doesn't say how great tell, they are. They just are. <laughs> yeah. And you know that every Starbucks, it's the same thing. They don't have to tell you that any Starbucks you go to across the country, you're going to get the same frappuccino. You just know it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what brands do. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, it just lost. Okay. Wait, Bill, how did you get started public speaking? I don't even think we really dove into that. (laughs) Honestly, like I've done so much public speaking now that, I think it's hard to point back to like when I started, most of it started in classrooms where it was a teacher or a university that goes, that guy started a business out of his dorm room. We should have him speak to our fill in the blank class or the student group. And all of a sudden, you know, you kind of learn like what people like most. This is the one thing I find with speakers. A lot of people want to have like a platform and speak. But you got to have something interesting to share about. Like, don't just tell me how to make a life better. Show me, like, your life. People yes. should be asking you to share, not you telling them, I think I should share. So you obviously didn't get paid for a while then. Nothing. Nothing. And, I mean, I would do this stuff and, yeah, it was just it was sheer love. And if you're a speaker and you don't love the people you're speaking to, it, it shows, you know what I mean? So like yeah. when I was doing this stuff for a high school, you know, freshman business class, I gave the same amount of energy and prep. Well, probably not quite as much prep because I didn't know what speaking was at that point when I was younger, but I gave the same energy. I did so much prep for a freshman level business class and I became my toughest critic where it's like, you know what? They really didn't, connect to that point okay next class i'm not going to talk about that you know and you're always reinventing yourself but i remember i remember when i turned legit in speaking it was that tedx talk like that was a big one yeah Yeah. um 
that was really big. It's a whole nother story how I got that. We'll say that for a different time. Yeah. But the TEDx talk was big and that opened so many doors because I got started speaking in real estate when Close Simple was just almost still an idea. I got invited to speak the number one um, at, at Inman, which a lot of people in real estate know, based on my TED talk that had nothing to do with real estate. My TED Talk had everything to do with t-shirts because I owned a t-shirt company. Yeah, but yeah. when Brad Inman was at the bar at an Inman Connect or some conference and somebody came up to him and said, hey, are you looking for speakers at Inman? He goes, I'm always looking for speakers. And this person said, well, I know a guy in Minnesota who gave a TED Talk on t-shirts. He's more passionate about t-shirts than anybody should be. I think he would be great on the stage. And Inman goes, that sounds good. Shoot it over to me. That's amazing. You honestly should be it, a speaker for Tom Ford and Zappos. Yeah, Zappos should be another good one. <laughs> I'd love to be the Tom Ford speaker, though. That'd be amazing. <laughs> one last but where thing. Did it, where, oh, sorry. Let me, let me just answer this, because I think everybody wants to get into speaking. And I kind of gave a roundabout answer. Of, I spoke in schools. I did this. I did this. What I did when I became more of a speaker, though, was I started packaging my content for the audience. And even when I spoke, I think, last for All-American, it was a few years ago, I wasn't quite in the groove yet of understanding, like, what does the audience need? It was still, here's what I speak about, if that makes sense. Mm. And since then, I started realizing that the audience should leave feeling like this person understands me and I can do what they're saying. And once I understood that, all of a sudden, my messaging became more empowering than giving facts. And I think that was where I turned the head. I did a lot of free speeches, but once people, once I became something like that Tom Ford story where I was spreadable and people go, he added value, all of a sudden then people start asking you to speak and that's where it becomes legit. Mm -hmm. But if you, you understand the audience, you add value, and then you have something that spreads and people notice. And everybody just wants to feel empowered. At the end of the day, we all just want to feel empowered to be able to do whatever it is that we want to do. Exactly. Like nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, okay, another day. I hope to just, I mean, maybe some people do actually say, I hope to just get through it. But, you know, the people who we're probably talking to and listening to this are people who want to do something. Right. Absolutely. Bill, well, that actually, I was going to ask one last question, but that actually kind of answered it. It was like, well, what advice would you give to somebody who isn't a public speaker? And like, I love the, that giving empowerment to your audience, because when you make people feel good about themselves, they automatically feel good about you. <laughs> yes. And anybody who wants to get into speaking, here's what I say. Two easy things. One, every person you meet that has an audience, you know, like, let's say you have a business owner or whatever. You're always going to throw it out. Hey, any way I can help you, any way I can help you, let me know. Any way I can help you, let me know. And then when you feel like your speaking thing is something you want to do, start throwing that out. Hey, if you ever just need, if you ever just need somebody to come in and talk to your staff, I'd love to help. Just say that. Like, just say it. You're not going to get paid, but you don't deserve to be paid yet. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But if you, but if you know you have something to add value and you go, Hey, I'd love to help you. Let me know any way I can help. And then when you figure out what's worth saying and can help with, say, hey, I'd love to speak to your staff. People take you up on that. The other thing for anybody wanting to get into speaking, here's my easiest hack. Post on Facebook, LinkedIn, 
Instagram, whatever it is, post this. You're just going to say, hey, I'm working on a speech for whatever, fill in the blank. Any businesses out there that you know or your businesses that I can come in and speak to your staff about this, I'd love the opportunity. No charge. All of a sudden, you're going to find that people will bite on that. And now you got five, 10 free gigs. Five or 10 gigs where the expectation is pretty low and the person knows that you're working on something. And they're like, yeah, I'd love my staff to hear that thing. Come on in. Or offer a Zoom call now during Corona. You know, whatever it is. But post on Facebook, you know, I'm getting into speaking. I'd love, you know, this is my first topic. If anybody knows a business that could use it, love to book five or 10 of these for free just to get my feet on the ground. That's great advice. That's what got me into speaking in real estate, actually, because once I got that Inman talk, I hired a speech coach, paid him a lot of money to help me craft a 15-minute <laughs> speech because I knew I couldn't mess around on main stage Inman. And I posted on my Facebook, hey, I'm working on a new speech. Does any, would anybody like you know, somebody to come in and speak to their, their group in real estate? And then I hit people up via email, and I just offered, offer, offer. And that's what it is. Well, Bill, thank you so much for like calling, well, having us call you, being here today. <laughs> and like always, like you give me so much energy, and you bring out the creativity, like feeling inside me and so I just wanted to say thank you so much because I always learn something new every time I talk to you and you always give me energy and like ready to like hit the ground running 100% I could not I exactly what you said like you give me you make me feel empowered call back from earlier <laughs> but you really do make me feel empowered to do whatever it is that's on my heart and I just love that about you Bill well it's a pleasure being here with both of you and you know I think the easiest takeaway for anybody listening to this, if they want to get into speaking, reach out to people with an offer that's free just so you can get your feet under you. You're going to get so much confidence. And like speaking should be something that gives the audience life and you life. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bill. And thank you for all of our listeners. And we'll see you next time.